my big purchase of the day was I I got some uh, some plant based mini corn dogs okay. that I'm gonna try in the air fryer. Mm-hmm. So one cool thing about the air fryer is that it's so good <laughs> that like you can put a fake mini corn dog in there and it probably will be delicious. Like <laughs> it definitely will. I'm not promising it's that it's gonna it will crisp be. it all up and but like I got a I just was at Target like right after I got the air fryer and I was going through the phase that you're going through now where I was oh, just like it's the best phase. It's like dating love. Yeah, I gotta I gotta buy all the different things at the store that I can air fry, you know, shrimp and chicken yeah. and bacon wrapped whatever, you know, mm-hmm. all this different stuff. Have you made bacon in it yet? No, I thought he'd make it too messy. Uh well it is messy. But it's probably worth it. But it's very good. And uh it's mm much easier than frying it in a pan because you just put it put it in there and then you know you pull and it out then it's done it's, yeah yeah and i mean you know frying bacon in a pan is also messy you still have to clean the pan super messy yeah for sure but um it's it's very good uh you know you just gotta slap it in there and then you know make some delicious bacon and so today i bought a taken or this week i bought a taken bake pizza that i made tonight from hy-vee those real big ones and yep Literally, like, I cut it into nine pieces. Normally, I eat, like, four minimum. I mean, I'm a monster. But this time, literally, like, because I had to bake it in the oven, I ate two pieces. And I was like, "Ah, I'm going to save the rest of these for for air frying them as leftovers later. I was, like, more excited to air fry the leftovers than I was to eat the pizza right out of the oven. Yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy, but, like, I'm telling you. I know. When you do air fried pizza – have you done air fried pizza yet? No, this is my first venture into uh, it, but you have hyped buddy. it up so bad that Dude, I, I just can't it's, wait. It's ridiculous. I it honestly is better than when you buy the pizza. And I've I've espoused this take on Twitter before and people uh-huh. are like giving me shit and they're like, You didn't get good pizza if it's better than and I was like, I don't think you own an air fryer. Like I right. I don't think you understand the It's changed every meal I've eaten since I, I bought it. I know. I know. I, I really can't can't stress enough i mean i knew the hype was there but like i was like oh whatever it'll like be cool for every now and then and like i have i have made all of my meal decisions based around if i can air fry the meal It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, the best and only always sunny in Philadelphia themed Chiefs podcast in the known universe brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Real Bird Lawyer. And here with me as always, my man, Taylor Witt, who you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what's going on? I'm in love with my air fryer. There's no other way to say it. I just this thing is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I told you it would be. And baby, was I right or was I right? You were right. We got a great show for you guys today. Before we get into the preview, Taylor, give us an update on these t-shirts, because I think we told our listeners a couple of weeks ago that they were in your house. And I think that was a mistake that maybe I made and then you subsequently corrected in an edit of the podcast. But I think some some people might have gotten some misinformation. <laughs> Thanks for giving a peek behind the curtain. 
Uh, yes, I had received a package last week that I assumed was the shirts. We recorded the podcast. I said the shirts were in. I opened the package. It was a gift from my mother and not the shirts. So I had to go in a couple hours later and ninja edit that um, declaration out of the pod a couple weeks ago. And if any of my uh, the people that I've been DMing about their shirts are listening, they know that the company that I originally got the shirts from completely screwed us over. They had a big delay and then they told me it'd be three weeks later than it was. And then they emailed me the day of that three weeks ending and they go, ah, we, we canceled your order. So <laughs> that wasn't very great because the last time I, I ordered with them, it took two weeks and this time it was like six weeks and then they canceled it. So I switched, switched gears, put the order through another company, got it in yesterday, sent them out. They will be there next Wednesday or Thursday, depending on where the shirts are going. So everybody get in your Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom t-shirts here shortly. Uh, in other news related to fan service, listener outreach, etc., the Listener Fantasy League. Still a thing. I'm going to do it. I just haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to decide who gets into the league or what format it will be. I get to commission this league. Taylor commissions all the other fantasy leagues that he and I are involved in. It's at least, what, 10, 10 leagues, something like that. It's a lot. It's too many. It's, it's too many. That's why I'm going to commission it. I've already come up with all the settings. I made it in Sleeper. So get the Sleeper app if you want to be in. It's the best fantasy app there is. They're not promoting the show. That's just a fact. Uh, I just need to decide how I'm going to choose from the 50 people that want to play in this fantasy league. Very popular. If you haven't gotten your name on the list, I'm not saying it's too late, but you know, it's, it's, it's probably it's, too late. <laughs> it's a little bit late, but still send me a DM and I'll try and get you added. And you know, you'll have as much chance as anybody else. I think we're going to probably end up having to do like a lottery system or something, or we'll do a contest, something like that. I'll, I'll figure it out. So stay tuned for that. we got a great show for you as always the news question mark. I put question mark here. There is some news. We're going to talk about the news. We have a single mailbag question from listener, all-star bird of war PKS Polish chiefs fan gave us a good little uh, bit to dive into. And then we're going to close this out. We've previewed it. A very special guest, the number one ranked prosecutor slash chiefs fan slash media personality ahead of me in the standings. Mr. Seth Kaiser himself will join us a side of Seth Kaiser that I don't think you guys have seen on the many podcasts he's appeared on before, we really tapped into a side of Seth that uh, that you don't always get to see, and it was very enjoyable. So that will be fun. First, Taylor, let's get into the... So first item of news, Chiefs are in mandatory minicamp this week. This, unlike OTAs, is completely mandatory. This is the first item on the offseason calendar that players can be fined for not attending. It is mandatory for all 32 NFL teams. Chiefs attendance seems to be 100%. It seems to be perfect. There have been no pro high profile holdouts. Everyone appears to be present and accounted for. And you love to see that because that is not the case with every team around the league. You've got Jamal Adams holding out, obviously Aaron Rodgers holding out. You've got some players that are not participating, you know, waiting for new contracts, Xavier Howard with the Dolphins. Just all across the league, you've got guys that maybe are not in mandatory minicamp, despite the name being mandatory, but the chiefs have perfect attendance. Well, and even, you know, the chiefs recent pass with Chris Jones holdout, like it's not, you know, the chiefs aren't completely immune from having a holdout, but it's great to know that the uh, three time defending AFC, uh, two time defending AFC champions, I guess, uh, are, yeah, they have no know. holdouts. Fuck great. Ford. Yeah. 
Speaking of Chris Jones, I first wanted to start with the minicamp news with the defensive line. So Chris Jones confirmed we'll be getting more run at defense Ben, something that we've all been speculating about for several months after the Chiefs signed Jerron Reed and really did not make a whole lot of moves to improve the edge rush. He is excited about it. Uh, he told uh, Arrowhead Pride, actually, I think the other day, I came in the league as a defensive end originally. Unfortunately, we had guys that excelled at that level in Justin Houston and D Ford. I waited my time and thank God it finally happened for me. Wow. <laughs> I'm very surprised that his enthusiasm, I mean, I guess I'm not. Chris is a very enthusiastic guy, but like that makes it sound like he's been counting down the minutes until he could be an edge rusher. That's fun. No, it is. It's interesting because obviously Chris Jones as an interior defensive pass rusher is one of the best in the league, you know, probably number two behind Aaron Donald. And yep. he's like, mm, I want to get out there on that, that edge where I, mm. I have not been that great when I played out there before. I, I can't wait to do more of that. And obviously he's still going to rush the passer from the interior plenty. I'm sure they will still use him inside plenty. I'm sure they will especially use him there on third downs plenty, but it's interesting. I, I got to figure that, and I, not that, you know, I mean, like you said, he's an effusive guy. He's an enthusiastic guy. He's not going to say like, oh, I, yeah. you know, yeah. you're going to put me out at edge. And that's going to suck. It's going to suck, whatever, you know, but I mean, he could have said like, I'll do whatever the team asked me to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play them wherever they need me to play. But he didn't. He said, thank God that I've, it finally happened for me. And it's interesting because he's had so much success and, you know, he's getting paid a lot of money. Um, based on his production as an interior pass rusher. So to see that reaction to it, uh, it did stick out to me a little bit. I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, if he catches fire from the outside and if he really has a sensational season rushing the passer from around the edge, it's going to be you know, really interesting just to see kind of if they then do that more or if he's having success out there because he doesn't maybe split out there all the time. Like it's, it's a, it's a good problem for Spags to have. And I'm excited to see what they do with it. Me too. Also on the defensive line and speaking of edge rushers that have underperformed in the past, Frank Clark, chief's other edge rusher, apparently Drax, his his goal. Yeah. Drax, the invisible man out there on the edge. His goal this year is 10 plus sacks. He did that twice in Seattle in his second and fourth seasons in the league in Kansas City. His totals have been eight and six. So if his goal is 10, 10 sacks, he's going to have to really step that up. He said 15, you're doing great. 20, and you're talking like defensive MVP, which isn't a real no. thing. It's, <laughs> there's just one MVP, and it's not going to a defensive player. It's going to a quarterback because they are the most valuable players. Yeah. But it's good to have goals. Good for you, Frank Clark. We hope you get there. And he, you know, he battled the sickness stuff and he's kind of, he hasn't exactly been the healthiest while yeah. he's been a chief. And if he gets a full healthy year and if Chris Jones is doing his thing, maybe on the outside and then Frank Clark gets to, I mean, it, you know, you never know. He, uh, he teamed up really well with John Reed in Seattle. And so maybe those two uh, will bring back the magic and Frank, the shark will be back. I mean, it is a, it is a talented group. We'll talk uh, to Seth about this a little bit later in the show as well. Some of the unheralded guys they have on the edge, but they certainly have not only Chris Jones and John Reed and Frank Clark, who are the guys, the big names that are making the money, but they've got some, they've got some depth in the rotation there. And they've got some guys in, whether it be Taco Charlton or Turk Wharton or Mike Dana, some guys that they can rotate in there that they could get some juice out of. There still are some free agents out there. Justin Houston, still a free agent, you know, uh, Melvin Ingram, still a free agent. I don't know. I don't know. 
but let's talk about the offensive line. So the offensive line, obviously the, the big news item of the offseason. And Joe Tooney was on the mic the other day, says this about the locker room, the offensive line. The locker room is a really hardworking group. I think everyone just wants to try and take steps and make progress, myself included. It's been great being out on the field with those guys and looking forward to some more of it. I don't, I don't know what to take with. That's a very, that's a very vanilla quote. But uh, what do you, what do you think about Joe Tooney? He was your number one draft pick in our offseason he, draft. He was number one pick of free agents available. Um, I'm obviously fired up about the line in general. I think that to be able to protect as well as I think this, the ceiling that this line has, which is extremely high, um, it just allows the the machine to, to go. It allows the offensive machine that we've seen hum along, even with, you know, subpar offensive line play, it, it's just going to open up everything. It's going to open up the passing game, the running game, the scoring, the wins, everything. I'm, I'm as excited about the O-line as I think I possibly could be about an offensive line going into the year. You know, it, this is not from inside the organization, but Lewis Riddick was tweeting about the offensive line today. And every time Lewis Riddick tweets about the Chiefs, we listen because he's very plugged in uh, with Andy Reid. They've worked together before and have a good relationship. And so if Lewis Riddick is putting something out there, it's coming from inside the organization. And he tweeted today, actually, been saying that Chiefs could have their best O-line they have had since Mahomes has been there in 2021. And that could be... He's not making a prediction, but is mm-hmm. he making a prediction that could be with two rookie starters, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith hashtag build inside out. And he also followed that up, not related to the offensive line, but he said, Oh, and watch out for rookie fifth round tight end. Noah Gray from Duke. They like him a lot. Hmm. Noah's been getting some love. He's been getting some love from Kelsey. He's been getting some love from anytime anybody asks about him. And, and I think uh, kind of like you said with Chris earlier, like they don't have to give him, Love. They can say he's doing a good job, but they're going out of their way to talk about that he's going to help the team this year. So uh, between, you know, Noah and the two rookie offensive linemen, um, there's just a lot to like about this draft class. I know they haven't played a snap yet, so we'll see how it goes. I've been in love with some rookies before that kind of didn't really live up to it, but uh, so far so good on that class. Yeah, and moving away from the rookies and to a veteran who has been in the news, he uh, told somebody on Twitter that he hates him this week. Yeah, he's uh, His Twitter fingers are in full force, but that, of course, is the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He was asked about his stint in Kansas City. Tyron Matthew says relationships with Spags, Merritt, and others have value for his career and potential to stay in Kansas City. That was tweeted by Harold Kuntz. I can't see me uh, ever walking away from that relationship. Holding on to certain relationships outweighs monetary. Mm. Very exciting. Very exciting. I mean, that's, you know, we've talked about the Badger extension a lot and not only for, yeah, in the context of the salary cap, but you know, also he's a great player and, and his, his locker room presence has been second to none on the team. And it's just, it's exciting because early in the off season, he had the kind of spat where, you know, he said, ah, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm probably not going to come back and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then he deleted it. And actually that I was saw, like, that was like three, four weeks ago. Yeah, it was crazy. And I saw a great Sam McDowell tweet earlier reply to, to honey badger, who was lighting up a rando about your, you know, you're lucky you never played or I would have lit you up or just some, you know, he was just dogging on him. And Sam said, Hey, uh, badger, can you let us know which of the tweets you're planning on deleting so we can concentrate on, screenshotting <laughs> the one you know those and it's amazing yeah it was great and uh you know he does he talks a lot and he likes to talk especially on twitter he likes to talk shit which is really fun um but 
for him to come out today and say that he values those relationships more than money. And uh, another pointed response to that, someone asked him straight up, like, do you see yourself getting a new deal? And he said, I do. And I mean, that's just, that's all positive juju. That's all good news. That's all things are clearly moving in the right direction. And if he's come out publicly and said that I care about this relationship more than money, I think it's very, very close. Uh, I just wanted to read this tweet into the record because it just cracks me up. Sure. The tweet that you were referring to, he quote tweeted some guy named Mark Fortgang. Yeah, some idiot. Who has, who has 262 followers. Yep. He's, he's just a guy. Yep. And he said, you mean aside from the two you wore in the NFL before this one, talking about Honey Badger's jerseys. Uh-huh. And Badger quote tweeted him, like <laughs> didn't even slide into the replies. He, he put him on blast. And said, how many jerseys have you, you worn? I bet I can cut yeah, grass yeah. better than you. Yes, I, I can, can do probably anything. do everything better than you. I mean, it just is. Oh, he's killing him. I mean, he's a savage. Do you he's want to see a dead savage. body? Like that is. And then, yeah. And then Sam. Yeah. Yes. It's just. Can you give us a heads up which tweets will remain up so we can know which ones, which others we have to take time to screenshot? Oh. Just ridiculous. What a savage state of affairs the Honey Badger presents, but hopefully he's going to be blasting people for Chiefs Kingdom on the Twitter for a long time. We've got some league news. This is something we've been talking about for a while. We talked about it in the context of the competitive advantage of getting the vaccine because the Chiefs have come out and said that we are one of the most vaccinated teams. We feel like we're one of the most vaccinated teams in the entire league. So Tom Pelissero finally gave us straight from the NFL the protocol modifications for vaccinated individuals versus unvaccinated individuals. So I'm just going to read through these really quick so that we can, we can discuss exactly how much of a competitive advantage it is to get the vaccine. Give me the non fully vaccinated and you do the fully vaccinated. Okay. So fully vaccinated, no daily testing required. Testing required every day. Masks not required at club facility or during team travel. Masks required at club facility and during team travel. No physical distancing required in club facility with other vaccinated individuals. Must remain physically distant from others in club facility. No quarantine required after high-risk exposure to COVID. Must quarantine after high-risk exposure to COVID. No travel restrictions. Travel restrictions. (laughs) No capacity limits in weight room when all are fully vaccinated. 15-player limit in the weight room. This one kills me. May eat in cafeteria with other fully vaccinated individuals. Players must be physically distanced in the meal room, may not eat with teammates. Staff must grab and go. No meals in the cafeteria. You can't even eat lunch with your teammates if you don't have the vaccine. So get, get out of here, scuzz. <laughs> no restrictions on social media, marketing, and sponsorship opportunities. Now, I thought this was probably the most interesting bullet point. No social media, marketing, sponsorship activities permitted. If you're not vaccinated, I mean, may use sauna slash steam room. No, no, may not use sauna slash steam room. May interact with vaccinated family slash friends during team travel. May not leave team hotel to eat in the restaurants. May not interact with anyone outside of team traveling party during team travel. So just to recap, if you have a vaccine, you can do everything with no restrictions at all. You're a free man, completely free. If you do not have the vaccine, you have to get tested every day. You can't see anyone. You can't eat lunch with anyone. You can't go outside the team facility. You can't use the steam room. And oh, yeah, you can't do any social media marketing sponsorship activities because you don't have the vaccine. And we can't trust you to not bring in COVID, Cole Beasley. So 
man, I, I mean, this is a, I, we've been talking about it, but man, this is like, tell me that you're requiring players to get the vaccine without telling me you're requiring yeah. players to get the vaccine. Yeah. I mean, this is as, as hard line as the NFL can take other than just literally suspending guys that don't have it, which I mean, at this point with those restrictions in place, it might come down to them just being like, uh, like even teams might suspend players or something like sure. bros, just you're putting everyone else in danger of, of everything. Just go get the vaccine, come back. Everyone will win some football games. Yeah. It's crazy. Speaking of winning football games, <laughs> Madden cover Madden 22. Oh. I know this is a, I know, listen, I don't want to bring oh. you down because your down. thoughts on Madden are well-documented, but this is just a cover. And to be honest with you, it's kind of a dumb cover, but it involves our guy, Patrick Mahomes, Madden 22 MVP edition, which just mm-hmm. means it's going to be like every other version of Madden. They just slapped a, Slapped a new subtitle on there, MVP edition. Yeah. It's going to feature a dual cover, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Taylor, your thoughts? <laughs> well, um, I will say that it's fun that only two athletes have ever been on the cover of Madden twice, and that is these two men. So Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. in his five years in the cool. NFL, has graced the cover of a <laughs> of basically the the mountaintop of football games, which We'll, we'll debate about whether it should be a mountaintop at another time. But I mean, sure. Madden's is that's, that's the highest profile you get. And he's been on, he's been in the league five years and two of them, he is now spent on the cover. So I think that's fun. Um, the cover players are always just cranked a little bit higher than all the other players in the game. So I'm sure for those who are stupid enough to play Madden, this will be a fun year to be a chiefs fan <laughs> because They'll uh, they'll be able to, you know, sling it all over with Mahomes. But yeah, I mean, fuck Madden to death forever. Yeah, I mean, the game is dumb. I had mixed feelings about this when it came out, because on the one hand, it's Tom Brady in a Bucks jersey on the cover with Patrick Mahomes. And obviously, every time I see that, I am reminded of Super Bowl 55, which I do not like to think about. I don't like to talk about. I just, I don't, I don't, it displeases me. But on the other hand, it pleases me greatly that Patrick Mahomes, by sharing a cover with Tom Brady, that's like a shot across the bows to anyone who puts Tom Brady on a pedestal. It's like Tom Brady is no longer good enough or important enough to have his own Madden cover. He has to share and he has to share with specifically this player, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. And I just know that for all the Dov claimants of the world out there, that just must rankle them to no end. Like this man's won seven Super Bowls. Why is he sharing a cover with Patrick Mahomes? It's because Patrick Mahomes is better than him. That's it, why. It's a good point. I also think that it's maybe the best troll job of the whole ordeal was how Madden teased the cover. So Tuesday, oh, yes. two days before it came out, they had a little teaser video and the video was two goats. It was a bigger goat and a little babier goat. And they just basically were like, hey, we're doing the cover on Thursday and it's going to be two goats. And so when you say two goats, then, you know, obviously everyone starts to think Brady first, but sure, of the, course. the second one was, was kind of up in the air. I mean, I think a lot of chiefs fans were thinking it probably would be Mahomes, And obviously they both were just in the super bowl. There's a lot of good legitimate reasons to put Mahomes as the second goat, but uh, there were a lot of takes that it was going to be Brady and Gronk in bucks jerseys yeah. because I mean, I, you know, Gronk sure. and I tight mean, ends like that's, you know, but 
uh, there were some real salty Denver fans who obviously hate <laughs> both quarterbacks a lot. And they got on today when it was Mahomes and they were bitching that it should have been Manning or it should have been Elway or it should have been, you know, name. Oh, I guess those are the only two. Broncos. Yeah, oh, no, those are the Von yeah. Miller. They thought Von it should Miller. have been Von Miller. Like it was for those of you that missed this, this actually was spurred on by a tweet from the official Denver Broncos Twitter account yeah. where they they just quote tweeted the Madden cover announcement with three eye roll emojis, like uh, uh Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady on the cover <laughs> of Madden. And the replies really were sad. Taylor and I talked about this like all day. Yeah. Uh because it's been a while since we've seen the franchise stoop to such lows. You know, this is a, a new low for Broncos fans, just the level of patheticness in the replies here. You know, people literally there was a, a verified account that I just absolutely skewered uh, that replied with a picture of Von Miller sacking Tom Brady from literally the 2015 playoffs. <laughs> he said, this would have looked like a better cover. And I said, yeah, from Madden 2016. No it's- shit. It's 2021. The Broncos haven't had anyone relevant, worthy of gracing the cover of Madden in at least five years. Von Miller didn't even play last year. I know, exactly. And there was at least one person on there that said they should have put Manning on there. Or if he plays well this year, Drew Locke next year. So, you know, Drew Locke, cover athlete of Madden 2022. Mark it down. Denver Broncos fans, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of dumb idiots... How's that for a transition? That's a great transition. I love Le'Veon that. Bell. So there's beef, Taylor, between Le'Veon Bell and Andy Reid. I don't want to get into it because, number one, this is a topic that has already received far too much attention from Chiefs fans. Andy Reid was asked about it today and said, essentially, I wish him well, which is yeah. such an Andy Reid thing to do. Yeah. Took the high road, said, I enjoyed having him here. And I wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors. Although behind the scenes, he's probably been blackballed and will never play again. But I don't want to get too much into this because we asked Judge Seth to arbitrate on this in our guest segment. So we're going to hear from him in just a second. Let's get into our mailbag question. This is a submission from our man, PKS, who put us on the map in Poland at Polish Chiefs fan. PKS writes, You talked a lot about what Mahomes has done or has to do to catch Brady as the GOAT. How about Andy versus Bill? Is Andy the second best coach of all time now? If not, where does he rank? And what would he have to do to take on Bill down the road? So just right out of the gate. In wins, Bill Belichick is at 280. Andy Reid has 221. So he's 59 behind. Winning percentage, Bill Belichick has a substantial edge. 673 winning percentage for Bill. 623 for Andy. And then obviously rings. Bill has six. Andy has one. So it's going to be a tall order just in terms of the raw numbers. Much as I love Andy, I don't think he's going to get six more rings. I guess it's possible, but Andy's what, 61, 62 years old. Bill is, I think, currently 69. Nice. Nice. And, you know, you wonder how long he's going to coach for, especially now that Tom Brady is gone. So and, suppose, and Bill's definitely not getting another ring. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I never say never with Bill, just as we should never have said never with Tom Brady, Ugh. because that's exactly, it's exactly what I said about the other oh, half of the Brady Belichick no. thing when Tom Brady left New England. I, I, but in terms of Andy's rank, currently among the all-time coaches, he's seventh in games coached, so he's coached seven most, 
seventh most games of all time. He's sixth in wins. He's 23rd in winning percentage, but winning percentage is one of those stats that is you have a substantial edge if you have coached fewer games. It's easier to have a high winning percentage if your sample size is smaller mm-hmm. because you can just, you know, you get a good quarterback and you coach for five years and then you retire, boom, good winning hmm. percentage. So boom. if you if you drop it down to the sample size to only coaches with 100-plus games coached, he is 15th in NFL history and winning percentage. If you only count coaches with 150 plus games coached, he's 11th all time in winning percentage. Very good. He's coached the fourth most playoff games of all time, 32, and he's won 17, which is also fourth most. So I think just out of the gate in terms of games won, longevity, Andy is very strongly in the conversation for second best coach of his era, which I would say like 2000 to present. He started in 1999, Yep. but I would say, you know, in the new millennium since 20 or since 2000, he has a very strong argument for the second best coach behind Belichick. Now the only other guys that are even in that conversation tangentially are Mike Tomlin, who has a 650 winning percentage, 145 wins, fewer games coach than Andy, uh, one Super Bowl win. So same as Andy, two appearances, same as Andy. And he actually has Tomlin zero losing seasons, which is actually quite remarkable. Finished 500 a couple of times. And then Andy the other has guy, three, doesn't he? Because one with the Eagles. Yeah, but keep going. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, Pete Carroll, 606 winning percentage, also 145 wins, so tied with Mike Tomlin. Uh, he actually did have a stint with the Patriots in the 90s. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit of a weird one for this era. But one Super Bowl win, two appearances, as as the same with Andy and his tender tenure with the Chiefs. Now, obviously, Andy had a Super Bowl appearance with the Eagles as well. So I think where you make the argument for Andy, making up some ground on these coaches that may have him in terms of just raw numbers, is in terms of his influence yep. on the game. And we've certainly talked about that before. We can talk about his offenses, but first his coaching tree. And everybody talks about his coaching tree, but I I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive for PKS because he loves to give us these questions that are research intensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I love about you, PKS. You're always giving us good material to work with. So Andy came from the Mike Holmgren coaching tree, which was a thing. Before there was the Andy tree, there was this Mike Holmgren tree. And when Andy was a younger coach, he'd be like, oh, you know, Mike Holmgren's tree, you know, like look at Andy Reid. But First, Andy Reid was by far the best coach that worked under Mike Holmgren. Okay, so really in Mike Holmgren's lineage, you've got Andy Reid, and here are the other guys. Uh, John Gruden, okay, uh, questionable. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go listen to the John Gruden roast from uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago if you have any illusions about John Gruden's competence as an NFL head coach. Steve Mariucci, uh, Jim Mora, Dick Giron. Jim Zorn, Marty Morningweg, Mike Sherman, Ray Rhodes, and Todd Bowles technically, but he was just on player personnel. So he's really actually more of an Andy guy and also maybe not a huge feather in either of their caps Right. as a head coach. Certainly as a, as a DC, he's been very good. So not only was Andy by far the best coach in Holmgren's lineage, I mean, other than John Gruden, he's the only one of those guys to even make a Super Bowl, let alone win one. John Gruden also won one Super Bowl again, Go listen to our John Gruden roast to learn more about John Gruden's one Super Bowl win against the team that he had just coached that decided not to change any of their plays or any of their terminology, whatever. So then you look at the guys that Andy has produced in his coaching tree, and 
in addition to Todd Bowles, who we just mentioned, you've got Brad Childress, who had a nice little run with the Vikings. You've got Dave Culley, who future goat. Going, yeah, future goat starting his career at age 67, coaching the uh, Houston Texans. So I'm sure that will go well. That'll be a big feather in Andy's cap. But he made it to the position of NFL head coach. So that's the important thing, right? You've got Leslie Frazier, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, Ron Rivera, Pat Shermer, uh, Steve Spagnuolo. And you've got two Super Bowl champs in there, plus Ron Rivera made a Super Bowl. So already his own tree has outstripped the tree that he came from. And then you get into his offensive influence. And man, he just has been, he just has been probably, aside from the Shanahans, and I I think you could probably argue they're just neck and neck. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you'd have to say that Andy has had as much or more influence on NFL offenses in the last 20 years than any other coach. I I think that's a slam dunk. I think that's really where the entire argument for Andy will always start and finish is with his impact on the game of football. And that's the type of thing that when you're talking about greatest of all time, yeah, you know, numbers are one thing, but um, at the end of the day, you know, when people look back on coaches that really changed the game of football, I mean, Andy's going to be at the top, of that list on, on top of the list with some other guys. And it's just uh, it's a testament to his work ethic and how he, despite being a little bit more advanced in age now than he was 20 years ago, he continues to innovate. He continues to connect with younger players. I mean, his, his ability to basically, for lack of a better term, stay young has been his greatest strength and it's allowed him to cultivate a family and a, a, a way of life coaching that everyone just gravitates towards and everybody wants to cheer for him. And, you know, we heard the league just kind of gush over Andy when he finally won in 19 and those types of reactions, you don't see those every year for every coach that wins. I mean, that was as, that was as genuine of a reaction across the league as you can get. And it was just, it's just really, you know, heartwarming as a chiefs fan to know that everybody in Andy's life is pulling as hard as hell for that guy as they can. And it shows up in how they go to work for him and how they play for him and, and how they vouch for him in the media. I mean, he's, he's as good as they get. And I think that, you know, for Andy to make up some of that ground, like I don't think that Andy is ever going to pass Bill Belichick. Right. I think that Bill Belichick's star might wane a little bit. If Tom Brady, God forbid, wins another fucking Super Bowl. Don't say that. Uh, you know, if Bill doesn't win another one, which she probably won't, but you never know. He's, he's crafty that Bill (laughs) Belichick, I think obviously the more success that Brady has away from new England, the more that will dim Belichick's star. But at the end of the day, when you're comparing him directly to Andy Reid, Andy Reid didn't win a Super Bowl until he had Patrick Mahomes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't think that you can, you can ever imagine a scenario in which Andy leapfrogs Belichick, but I think that he will, I think he already is, and I think he will solidify his position as the second best coach of his era. And I think you can make an argument because Belichick has a very strong argument to be the greatest coach of all time. Yep. And I think if we were having this conversation this time last year before Tom Brady went and won the fucking Super Bowl with the Bucks, that it would have been a slam dunk that people would say, absolutely, it's Belichick, number one, best coach of all time. I think I still am probably of that opinion. But now. I will say PKS asked, what would it take? So what, what would it take? take is five straight Super Bowls. 
wins. If Andy rips off Super Bowl wins between 2021 and 2025 and then retires, I mean, mean, uh, well, right. But I, that's, that's what it would take. And if he did that, yes, I do think everyone would consider Andy a, the greatest coach of all time over Bill. Cause he would you have, know, he would equal him in super bowls and he did, he strung them all together right in a row. And he's obviously had a bit, he's had a bigger influence on the game than bill has by far. Yes. I agree with that. And he's never cheated. I agree with all of those things. And I think it is, I think it is worth mentioning. I mean, you said five straight to tie bill. Hmm. I don't even know that it would necessarily take five straight and tie bill because we had this conversation with Pat Brady yeah. Uh, last week, I think maybe if Andy just like if Andy won the next three uh-huh. in a row and uh-huh. he won four out of five and he finished with four rings and, you know, he lost two Super Bowls and he was what, five and or four and two in the Super Bowl or five and two in the Super Bowl. I think people would at least be able to make that argument, right? Like it's almost Certainly. sort of like the reverse Joe Montana argument where Joe Montana, you know, never lost the Super Bowl. So that therefore he's better than Tom Brady because, you know, he's never lost the Super Bowl. I mean, Andy's already got two losses on the ledger, but if he, I mean, no team has ever won three straight Super Bowls. If nope. he went out and did that with the impact that he's had on the game of football, I think it would at least be a conversation. And certainly if he went out, went out and won five straight, yeah. then it would be no question. I mean, you would not only be talking about having the same number of rings as Bill as a head coach, but you'd also be talking about, I mean, no team has ever won three straight Super Bowls. Yeah. You'd be talking about a team winning five straight Super Bowls. That's absurd. Probably I mean, stringing 30, 30 wins in a row together there at some point or something. Oh, I mean, you know, I mean, it would, the accomplishments would, would go beyond the rings. He would be correct. racking up everything, all the awards, all the coach of the years, all that stuff. Mm, give it to me. I don't think it's going to happen, but it certainly would be cool if it did. It is our honor and privilege to welcome to the show the most famous Lawyer Chiefs fan. Yes, even more famous than me, Mr. Seth Kaiser, the one and only. Seth, how are you doing? I am doing very, very well. And you should note, more famous for now. I, I, I can I can feel <laughs> I can feel your breath on the back of my neck in this race that we are running as I slow down and you speed up. So I, I appreciate the introduction, though. <laughs> That's very generous, Seth. Thank you. So, Seth, uh, June 15th, which we're recording this on the 16th, so that was uh, yesterday, that marked the one-year anniversary of your Chiefs newsletter at mnchiefsfan.substack.com, where you're giving everybody all the Seth content they can handle, and then some, I'm sure, all that you can handle as well. What's the last year writing for yourself been like for you? It has been awesome. Um, I I just, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do something on my own. Um, just because, and I've talked about this a little bit, like on 810 and with, with Ryan on RJR football, it's really hard to break through in the sports coverage industry. And that's why there's so many, you know, unpaid internships, which is a big topic of conversation and all that stuff. And I never thought that I'd be in a position to just do my own thing and write when I want about what I want, like where, what, what website was going to sign me off on writing about like the best incompletions of the season (laughs) by Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) No Which one. were incredible. Oh, exactly. That's my point is like, you know, I've been told about how this is pretty niche. I'm like, people like niche. People want content that they can't find anywhere else because it's so in depth. 
And so I've, I've enjoyed it so much. People have been beyond my wildest dreams supportive to the fact, to the point that like, I can see this going some places one day to where, you know, maybe it is my primary source of content. It, it's already moved in that direction a lot. I write there more than anywhere else now. So it's been awesome. Um, thank you everyone who's listening, who, who's subscribed. If you're looking to subscribe, uh, bit.ly slash Seth really hates money is, <laughs> is a bit, is a bit that, uh, that Josh Briscoe set up for me because he's to this day aggravated that I still have that coupon open for $12 a year. <laughs> which Austin and I have taken full advantage of. So thank you for that. Uh, once again, everyone, that's mnchiefsfan.substack.com to read everything from Seth. Um, you, you constantly put out bangers. You never miss. It's been, uh, it's been great to follow you since back in the days of Arrowhead Pride and then, you yeah. know, on through all your uh, all the up-and-coming stuff that you've done. It's been great. Your various ventures. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, so I guess then, Austin, since you are a man of the law as well, we're yes. going to kind of, we're going to use uh, your similar uh, experience here to do some uh, football talk. Yeah. So Seth, we, we wanted to take advantage of your, not only your football knowledge, but also your, your legal acumen. And we wanted to call upon your unique skill set to settle some disputes um, that have befallen Chiefs Kingdom. Now it's, it's June. Uh, 2021. We're about to enter the dead period. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of takes. There's been a lot of disputes, a lot of heat out there, and so we wanted to bring some of these cases before you uh, to arbitrate. And so we'll now swear in the the honorable Seth Kaiser presiding over this uh, this virtual hearing that we're going to conduct. And I'm going to serve as I, I guess bailiff here. <laughs> this brings me no joy. But the first case that we bring before you, honorable Judge Kaiser, is the case of Jamal Charles. <laughs> versus the pro football hall of fame and mm. I, just to announce the case and give you an idea uh, before you issue your ruling i'm speaking on behalf of the the football writers association here seeking a declaratory judgment that jamal rashad jones charles formerly a running back for the kansas city chiefs of the national football league shall not be admitted to the pro football hall of fame when eligible in 2023 we would like the court to rule that jamal charles is not a hall of famer and in support of this request, first, I would state that Jamal Charles ranks just 56th all-time in rushing yards. Second, Jamal Charles never led the league in rushing yards. Third, Jamal Charles did not compensate for these deficiencies with two statistically bloated postseason runs in the running back friendliest scheme known to man, a la Hall of Famer, quote unquote, yep. Darrell Davis. <laughs> the, the, the Bronco shade begins almost immediately. <laughs> It's a hallmark of this show. And fourth, as we all know, running backs do not matter. And Jamal Charles is a running back. Mm -hmm. Judge Seth, please rule on this dispute. Well, I would I would first of all note that the evidence that counsel has presented would be quite persuasive if the evidence that was presented were relevant. However, <laughs> some of the some of the evidence that's been presented is not relevant, uh, such as all time rushing yards. Mm -hmm. The idea that uh, that is somehow some sort of reflection of anything but longevity in many cases is something that this court rejects on its face as foolish and offers uh, the, the case of Mahomes versus the NFL as <laughs> precedent as to why longevity is not a necessity in terms of being great. So we're going to have to rule out that one right out of the gate. 
In terms of Mr. Charles never leading the league in rushing, while that is accurate, once again, unfortunately, Council has relegated itself to utilizing what is, in essence, a meaningless statistic that's a reflection of opportunity as opposed to ability. And so we're going to have to throw that one out as, as well, given that Mr. Charles did, in fact, lead the league in the much more important yards per carry statistic, and not only in a year, but all time of literally anyone ever. And so the court's going to substitute that evidence in for <laughs> yours, which is not, you know, legal, but we're going to ignore that. Man, can you imagine if a judge midway through, I'm actually going to put this in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you know, so Charles didn't have any postseason success. I totally, I, I totally hear you. See, I almost slipped out of character there. One thing that I would note that uh, if we would like to hear some other players who did not have success in the postseason that perhaps if council would like to make a case for why Barry Sanders should not be in the hall of fame, or if perhaps council would like to make a case for as to why, Oh, I don't know. OJ Simpson should not be in the hall of fame. Well, well, we've got a pretty good case for OJ. Actually, I could make an argument for that, but an (laughs) argument related to football council. (laughs) Fair enough, your honor. Withdrawn, withdrawn, your honor. Um, uh, Jim Brown played in four playoff games. Um, and it's, what's fascinating. Barry Sanders played in six playoff games and had only one memorable performance during those games. And so it's worth noting that multiple players that, I mean, arguably the two of the three greatest running backs in history would be on that list. Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, and the only other person I've ever heard anyone argue is perhaps the goat in running back would be Walter Payton, who obviously had a great deal of running back success. Team success and running back success, I would note, given the argument that running backs do not matter, that is directly contrary to the argument that he did not have a good postseason run. However, if running backs do not matter, we cannot use a lack of postseason success against said running back. So unfortunately, all four of the points that council raises, they don't necessarily prove dispositive in this case. And I actually did have someone submit as a friend of the court a uh, article written by someone on something on the internet (laughs) in which it was pointed out that Jamal Charles has as many great seasons as Earl Campbell, Marcus Allen, Gail Sayers, and Larry Zonka, none of whom are really debated as hall of famers. The court's additionally going to take judicial notice of the fact that Jamal Charles is literally the most efficient running back in charted history both in terms of yards per carry, touches per carry, and expected points added per carry, all of which are much, much, much more persuasive than the total yardage that was previously cited by counsel. So I'm going to have to deny your motion and have this set on for the 2023 ballot, during which I hope they make the correct, uh, the correct findings. The court has ruled, and <laughs> thank you, Honorable Judge Seth Kaiser, The next case on the docket, and again, it brings me no pleasure, but the court shall hear the case of one Le'Veon Bell versus Andrew Reed to present evidence to the court, Mr. Taylor Witt. Uh, Thank you, Judge, for having me in your courtroom today. I am but a lowly IT developer and cannot speak to the the lofty lawyerings that you all are presenting. (laughs) However, Um, I would like to present these tweets and Instagram comments that Le'Veon Bell has recently made public. And counsel, does uh, does counsel have Mr. Bell here? No, Mr. Bell is on his couch as he's been for the majority of his NFL career. Indeed. Can can counsel offer me a reason why the court should should accept this hearsay into evidence? Because it's inflammatory. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, sold. <laughs> so Bell's recent comments include tweets where he said, the only difference with the Steelers was they gave me opportunity. Hadn't had that since I left. I probably need to play for a defensive-minded head coach instead of these offensive-minded gurus. Subtweeting Andy Reid. And then he said, I'll sign somewhere when I'm ready. Ain't no more finessing me with lies and shit just to get me to sign with 18. No more rush decisions on my end, period. And then the big kicker was when he said, I'd never play for Andy Reid again. I'd retire first. He said that on Instagram. That blew up. And then he tweeted a, a very long, very long. Twitter I'll, thread. I'll allow counsel to skip the final portion, given the longevity. And I don't believe we have enough time to go through the entirety of Mr. <laughs> Bell's tweets. And the fact that he is a rather lengthy tweeter as he it is were. He, he tweets his mind so uh, the question is is Le'Veon Bell in the right here is he justified in his criticism of Andy Reid well without having all the evidence before me including these supposed behind the scenes conversations mm. between himself and Mr. Reid and the fact that Mr. Reid has not been provided an opportunity to defend himself I, I can't issue a ruling on that right now what I can say is I'm gonna slip into a little more colloquialisms <laughs> here I was told I was told many years ago that uh, if you if you meet one jackass <laughs> during the day, you're not lucky. If you meet three jackasses during the day, you're a jackass. <laughs> and I believe uh, I believe Mr. Bell's consistent problems everywhere he has gone, including the place that he prays, such as the Steelers, is probably good evidence that he himself is a jackass. I would say that I'm very willing to believe that the Chiefs. And Andy Reid made some statements in attempting to get him to sign with their team. However, the idea that Mr. Reid, a proven head coach who has had multiple running backs, have Hall of Fame careers under him, did not provide Mr. Bell the opportunity to succeed in his offense is somewhere between laughable and stupid. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave this open for the record. For uh, I'm going to leave this, this the record open for 60 days if uh, Mr. Reid or Mr. Bell want to say anything further in their defense. But I would say as of right now, the court's going to be inclined to grant in favor of Mr. Reed in this without any further evidence. The court has ruled. Thank you, Judge Kaiser. And we're almost out of time for this portion of the docket. However, we do have one final case for the court. This is plaintiff Byron Pringle versus defendant <laughs> Demarcus Robinson. Uh, your Honor, the plaintiff, Mr. Pringle, is suing for recognition as wide receiver two for the Kansas City Chiefs mm. football franchise over one Demarcus Robinson in support whereof Mr. Pringle cites his height and weight, which is six foot, 203 pounds. That actually is identical to Mr. Robinson's height and weight, uh, their respective ages. Mr. Pringle notes that he is actually one year older than Mr. Robinson, the defendant, but Mr. Pringle did run a faster 40-yard dash, 4.46 seconds to Mr. Robinson's 4.59. Mr. Pringle would also note that in the only game of his career where he was given more than six targets versus the Indianapolis Colts in 2019, Mr. Pringle caught six balls for 103 yards and one touchdown. Mr. Pringle further states that Mr. Robinson's three highest career yardage totals all came against a borderline junior varsity defensive secondary, <laughs> namely the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. First, a 172 and two touchdown line in Oakland in 2019, a one reception that has to be a typo, one reception for 89 yards and one touchdown. 
That would be Mr. Robinson's second highest yardage total against Oakland in 2018 and a five for 69 nice versus Oakland in 2017. I, I believe what Mr. Pringle is trying to say, Your Honor, is that when given the opportunity, he has performed at a higher level than Mr. Robinson. And Mr. Robinson's most salient career accomplishments come against a franchise that, frankly, is not capable of stopping my dog. Uh, the court will take judicial notice that uh, the Oakland Raiders secondary could not stop your dog. Thank you, Your Honor. Certainly. I do need to note, counsel, did counsel say nice following the the recitation of Mr. Robinson's catches and yards against Oakland in 2017? Yes, Your Honor, I did. I'd like to remind you, sir, that this is a family courtroom. Um, I, I, I would, I do have a, a couple of questions. I don't believe there are several relevant parties to this action. Have, has any sort of notice of intervention been filed by Mr. Hardman or Mr. Powell in this matter? Your Honor, I don't believe that Mr. Hardman or Mr. Powell have filed anything in this matter. Mr. Hardman, I, I don't know where Mr. Hardman is, Your Honor. Uh, Mr. Powell, uh, I can check the docket. I don't know that he's uh, been given any opportunity to demonstrate his value on the field. And so I don't know that he has uh, signed on to this action. Mr. Powell may not have received adequate notice, but Mr. Hardman, you're, what was personally served, I'll take notice of that. And as so far over the course of the last year, has not made an appearance that would indicate that he's interested in this action. However, I would note that previously Mr. Hardman did make multiple statements in the previous year and that he would be joining this action. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to set this matter out for a 90-day review and give both Mr. Hardman and Mr. Powell an opportunity to intervene as parties to this matter, um, at which time I would like personal service to be effectuated on Mr. Powell. Mr. Hardman has already been served very sufficient notice in terms of this matter. So we'll set it out for a 90-day review. Okay, perfect. So we're going to talk about players we're not talking about enough, which is in itself sort of a contradiction of terms. But we're going to start with our esteemed guest, Mr. Kaiser. Um, so I, I saw a couple of people mention uh, Tershawn Wharton um, in part because I think Jaron Reed talked about him a little bit um, in his presser. Wharton is an interesting guy because he's not getting talked about a ton. But in the meantime, we're talking a ton about edge options. Now, we all know Chris Jones is going to see more snaps there along the edge. Um, I'm still curious just how many it will be. They seem a lot more serious about it this year than they have in previous years. And I, I think he'd do great at it. But it's worth noting that Wharton, like everyone kind of still thinks of him as a pure defensive tackle. I think he's running around more at like 260, 270 than he is at like the previous like 290 when he entered the league. And he is a, an excellent athlete. Like you, you can watch, uh, like watch him run down Tua when, when they played Miami and it's not like Tua, you know, isn't Lamar Jackson, but he's not a guy that you'd expect a guy like Wharton to run right. down. He's an exceptional athlete, has really good quickness and he showed a lot of functional strength at the point of attack. I'm really curious how they might use him. He is, he's got kind of heavy hands and an odd amount of athleticism. And he looks like he's got all the tools. Now, if I had a nickel for every guy I saw with a lot of tools <laughs> who flashed one year and then just kind of, I mean, we'll see. So he needs to take a step forward. But as people talk about the offensive line, I don't think enough people talk about him as a guy who could potentially add a little extra punch to the pass rush, as well as be kind of stout against the run. It's worth noting, despite being a lighter guy, they threw him at one tech a few times and centers and guards had a hard time moving mm -hmm. him. 
And that says a lot. I mean, he's just, he plays heavier than he is. So I'd like to see a little more of him. They, they're just, they're going to be pretty deep across the line outside of the kind of the questions they have about the defensive end spot. Yeah. So speaking of one of the guys that I was going to call out just to kind of talk about was Taco Charlton, who obviously signed with the chiefs last year after he was cut by the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. a former first round pick, a guy that, you know, I mean, if you're an edge rusher and you get drafted in the first round, you got some juice. You've definitely have got some tools. Speaking of guys, guys with tools and, and obviously on the, the opposite end of the spectrum from, from Turk who was undrafted, but he's a guy that uh, of course, Frank Clark um, being, you know, from his alma mater. And I think they were teammates for a, a spell. What have you seen, if anything, I don't know if you've done a, a deep dive on taco, but what could you see him potentially contributing? So I looked at some of his, his tape last year, early on, he, it was kind of a smaller sample size. The thing with Charlton is that he does do some of the things that Spagnola wants his defensive ends to do in terms of pass rushing, executing stunts, uh, moving around. Uh, he does that well. He's got good size. He's got good length. He, he's a guy that you, you look at him and on his good snaps, you say, man, why aren't we seeing more of that? But the thing is, I mean, I think he's going into year four, year five here. That's a long time to be a guy that, you know, has a lot of potential. Right. And so I, I think there's definitely some, some raw materials there. He wasn't very strong against the run that I saw. He just doesn't set that edge as well as I'd like. And I think that's going to be tough for him. You kind of like, you know, if you combine him with Mike Dana, who sets the edge really well, but isn't quite athletic enough for what you want in a pass rusher. Yeah. He's got good hands. Like I actually, he played as like a league average defensive end. As a rookie, that's incredibly hard. Especially for a guy that doesn't have the size. Yeah, and so that's not a shot at Dana. It's just you saw multiple times, um, if you were, you know, I don't know if you guys witnessed this as well, but it's something I noticed repeatedly, where he had at least three or four plays that probably should have been sacks, but he wasn't athletic enough to finish the play. Sure. And that that's, that's going to be problematic for him. And I think that's always going to be a ceiling. So if you combine Charlton and Dana, I think you'd be cooking with gas. I'm curious... What he'll do, I think he'll get every chance because he can rush the passer a little bit, and I think he's what Spags wants. But I just – I don't think they would be talking about Jones at edge so much if they were really comfortable with where they're at there. Yeah, that's – completely fair that makes sense Seth I want to talk about another younger first round draft selection that the Chiefs didn't draft but they picked up due to some unusual circumstances and of course that's DeAndre Baker um you know he broke his leg in uh week 17 so we didn't really get to see a lot of him on the field last year but with the cornerback room being a little thin with the Bashad Breeland exiting and I I just am curious are you expecting DeAndre Baker to play you know, the majority of defensive snaps out there? Is he more of a depth piece? I mean, he's obviously got a lot of skills and all charges were dropped on him on the crazy, um, <laughs> you know, the crazy stuff that happened with him in New York. So there's really not a lot of concern as far as off field or on field other than his injury. Um, what do you see from DeAndre Baker coming up this year? I mean, with Baker, it's just, uh, I guess, a tale of two cornerbacks. You've got uh, the guy that a lot of people were really excited about coming out of college. Um, including me, I really liked him coming out of Georgia, uh, a guy who looks like a really good fit in what Spags wants, really smart, able to play zone concepts. Well, very physical, fearless in terms of contesting the ball, that sort of stuff. Um, as a pro beyond the injury type stuff, I mean, he, he just hasn't had a good career. And so you're kind of 
you end up questioning, okay, what's the real DeAndre Baker? Because there are all sorts of stars that can't cut it after college to the NFL for one reason or another. You know what I mean? You know, they're just 1% too unathletic or they're just 1% not mentally quite able to to process information fast enough. That sounds insane, but 1% at the pro level makes an unbelievable amount of sure. difference because all these guys are so good. Like anytime, you know, if you've been like blessed enough to watch training camp, it's astonishing how good the, the end of the roster, never going to make the teams, guys are at football, Yeah, right? They're unbelievably great. So I would be surprised to see Baker be like the guy you'd think with the Breland news that there's someone they have faith in. Cause you'd think they'd see how important it is to go four deep at corner. You know, they've got faith in Sneed, you know, they've got faith in Fenton and you know, they've got faith in Ward. And so the question for me is who's this fourth guy that they have faith in? Is it Baker? Is it Bo Pete keys? Is it Mike Hughes? I have no idea, but boy, I hope they're right about one of them. <laughs> Um, because so far Baker hasn't shown anything that would indicate that it should be him as a pro. Yep. That's fair. Uh, we're running up against it. Why don't you finish us off with one other player maybe that is on your radar that you're kind of, you know, you're thinking isn't getting enough love. You know, this is, this is such a silly thing to say because I think he's getting plenty of love, but I just can't not think about Willie Gay jr. And how different things are going to be for him this year. Um, my colleague at the athletic, Nate Taylor, wrote a typically wonderful article about the difference for Gay this year and how valuable those reps were that he missed last year in OTAs, especially a guy who didn't play a whole lot in college. Um, when you go back and watch him in his rookie year, the games where he saw action, you can see kind of the plan to gear him up and then the injuries got in the way. And he flashes tremendous athleticism and a lot of physicality to go along with it. Most guys that move as well as he does are about 15 pounds lighter at least. And so there's, there's a lot to really like there and he is getting some buzz. I mean, it's weird to say like a former second round pick from the previous years and getting enough buzz, but I think we might underestimate the jump he might make in year two. However, you know what, if there's one thing I know, in this wretched existence of this world we call earth is that it's always sunny in chief's kingdom.